0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Hanks a Lot, the comprehensive and encyclopedic podcast examining chronologically the many films of Mr. Tom Hanks. I am your host Kent Shelton, and joining me tonight from Hollywood, California, is our resident film critic, Mr. Trace Oakley, and stuck to the gum wall in Seattle, Washington, is our musical director and Sir Mixalot's next-door neighbor. The supersonic Mister Kevin Dennis. Hello, gentlemen. How are you this evening?
1: Good evening to both of good you. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, Baby got back, but I got
2: front.
0: Well, that's good. Well, it's it's the spirit of sharing. That's what's important. <laughs> you know, um, tonight we're going to be talking about a little movie uh, called Punchline. Punchline, a uh, a movie about the world of stand-up comedy, um, and and Like any film about stand-up comedy, it should have absolutely no laughs in it. Uh, and I'm uh, at least that was my experience. My television may have been on the fritz, but uh, yeah. but yeah, punchline—a movie uh, starring Sally Field uh, and Tom Hanks. Uh, kind of a kind of a two-hander. Sort of a—I a, wouldn't say either one of them was the lead. Um, it was kind of a, a shared above the title lead. And uh was it nineteen eighty eight this movie came out? Do you guys know? It's correct, nineteen
1: eighty-eight.
0: Nineteen eighty-eight. A two-hander. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's uh <laughs> a
1: theater term.
0: Yeah. Oh, is term. it now? It's a yeah.
1: the theater term for for musicals like I do, I do, or or um uh plays with just two characters.
0: Yeah, it's a, a kind of a two-hander. That's a little little inside <laughs> lingo for you, uh for you. Uh-huh. Film and theater buffs out there, Ta-
1: Taylor Negron might object to uh, you characterizing it as yeah. a, a two-hander.
0: I'm sure but he'd he, love. He I'm sure he thought it was an ensemble piece. Uh, but he's dead,
1: sure. so he he's he's not going to have much to say.
0: Well, let's kick off tonight's podcast with a review of the movie Punchline. Trace, you got a review for us
1: tonight? I have a review. It couldn't miss. Two stars, both having cut their teeth on television. One was a nun who could fly the other dressed in drag. Both would be kicked out of libraries in the Deep South today. Tom Hanks was coming off big, his most successful movie to date. Sally Field had won two Oscars in five years. They were famous, respected, and bankable. Stand-up comedy had never been more popular. Comedy clubs had previously existed only in New York and Los Angeles. There was now at least one in nearly every major city. The pitch was easy. Two stand-ups, one flunked out of med school, the other's a housewife. They are rivals. They fight. They fall in love. Does she walk out on her husband and kids? Then there's a nationally televised comedy competition. It couldn't miss, but it did. Punchline, from 1988, was poorly received by critics and did tepid box office, though it did recoup its modest $15 million budget. The film starts out with a montage of various comedians doing their sets at a club called the Gas Station. We see observational, manic, prop, musical, young, old, pro, amateur, bad, average, and... Well, none seem very good. The pick of the litter, though, is Hank's character, Stephen Gold, who's been frequenting the clubs while half-assing med school. A talent scout takes notice and sets up Gold for his big break. A network exec shows up and Gold freezes, has a breakdown on stage. A lesser light at the club is Lila, a mom to three girls and married to an insurance salesman. She's got potential, guts, and desire. But so far, she's strictly open mic. Still smarting from his implosion on stage, Stephen offers to help Lila. She gets better, then gets a lot better. They become equals, then he falls for her. The hubby doesn't get the whole wife having her own dreams thing. She juggles the wifely duties with dick jokes for drunks until the inevitable moment of choice, or truth, or priorities, or whatever. With the attraction still hovering, the two jokesters become the favorites in a stand-up contest held at the club and shown on TV. They both kind of kill, and spoilerish alert, both kind of win. Punchline initially portrays aspiring comedians with a broad brush, a broad and very annoying brush. They are always on, they wear their insecurities on their sleeves, they dislike each other, the club owner worries he'll be forgotten if one of his comics makes it big. There are plenty of cringeworthy scenes early on in Punchline. Hanks takes Field to a convalescent facility in Jersey where he's got a gig. He roasts the various patients about their infirmities, and they all laugh so forcefully and unnaturally that you'd expect an epidemic of strokes or heart attacks. An earlier scene where Hanks fails to identify body organs to his med school professors is not only a horrid way to spend five minutes, it leaves one with an even more frightening realization. This five-minute stretch of punchline was remade ten years later as Patch Adams. This, above all, cannot be forgiven. Just when you think it can't get any worse, a strange thing happens. Punchline gets kind of good. The narrative and the actors and the film itself finds its way and suddenly portrays a fairly insightful and sensitive look at artists, in this case comedians, who strive and fail but stick with it not because they want to but because they have to. It's the only thing that makes them feel alive. The attraction between the Hanks and Field characters never feels completely motivated, it just sort of happens, but the film attempts to convey a romantic bond born not of physical or emotional chemistry, but out of shared artistic experience. The scenes between the two leads are moving and at times heartbreaking, and even the action at the club becomes compelling with its gritty and lonely portrayal of this low rung of show business. There are some hiccups along the way, after the ship rights itself a nauseating scene where Field comes home with a new hairdo and gets false praise from her family. In an overlong movie, this is three minutes that's so empty that if clipped it would have vaporized on its way to the cutting room floor. Hank's character appears to have some mental health issues. Bipolar, perhaps. His manic personality, ill-timed chokes on stage, and general instability suggests something amiss. Hank's portrayal is not complex enough to fully pull this off. His character seems to be running away from mental illness, but Hank's seems to be running away from his character suffering from mental illness. Had he taken on the challenge and not left it for the audience to diagnose him, the character would have been more sympathetic. Field's work is generally stronger. She's believable as someone who played by the rules and now finds herself unfulfilled. Her plucky persona serves Lila well, and she lands some very funny material in her set for the TV show. John Goodman does solid work as Field's husband. It's kind of a thankless role, but the actor brings levels to what would generally be a one-dimensional character. Mark Rydell, best known for directing films such as On Golden Pond, plays the club owner. He finds a balance between sleaziness and humanity, while looking strangely like Cesar Romero as the Joker on Batman. No orange wedges were harmed in the making of Punchline. Comedians of various degrees of fame pop up throughout the film, such as Damon Wayans, Taylor Negron, Barry Sobel, Susie Essman, George Wallace, Bob Zmuda, and Jimmy Brogan. It's also an early appearance by a future loathsome sitcom star slash sister of loathsome evangelical sitcom star Candace Cameron. David Seltzer's direction goes as the film goes. When it's good, it's quite good. But when it's bad, it's awful. And Seltzer, like any good stand-up, should have cut the stuff that wasn't working. One does not expect a film about comedians to be so nice to look at. But the cinematography by Ronaldo Villalobos and the production design by Jack DeGovia are exceptional. The New York exteriors create a stunning noir vibe, and the interiors of the club and Field's gingerbread like suburban home are characters in of themselves. Punchline doesn't really work as a comedy and has been justly maligned for not being funny. It does, after a dreadful start, work beautifully as a character study. Much of what it does well has been exceeded and perfected by the marvelous Mrs. Maisel but this is a film that doesn't deserve its poor reputation. Try the Veal. Two and a half hankies.
0: Well, there you go. There is a review for you. Um, I, uh, myself, had never seen the movie Punchline before. I think I had watched part of it on cable uh, in my youth. Um, And my chief complaint with it back then, and my chief complaint with it still, is... uh, that it's not funny uh, that specifically in the scenes where they're trying to be hilarious. They're not funny. Uh, there's a, uh, there's something that happens and Kevin. You could probably speak to this um, every now and then in a movie, they'll, uh, 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 there'll be a character who's supposedly written a hit song or as a, uh, a successful musician. And when you hear some of their music and it's not a hit song, all of a sudden, you're taken completely out of the movie. You're like, no, that's that wouldn't work as, as a pop song. That's <clears> just <throat> yeah. garbage that, that was written <clears throat> by a couple of guys in a writer's room, not a songwriter. And I felt like <laughs> this movie, even though apparently they had a number of comedians uh, who were consulting on the making of this film, I don't think any one of them wanted to burn up any of their Letterman material. So it was all... it was all really really uh, weak comedy and, and a lot of times I didn 't even know where the jokes were the everybody agrees that her uh, uh, Charles Manson is my babysitter joke uh, every time she says it in the movie oh people laugh They go oh that's funny that's so funny um, but I'm not even sure how it worked as a joke it's just the name Charles Manson and uh, uh, without without any Build up, it's not a, uh, I don't know, it's not a
2: joke. Um, Well, that's what I thought, well, okay, but I think this dovetails, and I was, see, I always, whenever we do these podcasts, I'm always anxious to hear Trace's review, and I'm always thinking that, because I frequently disagree with him, and this time I was like, you started off with the same same premise of you were going to diss the thing and make it, all the stuff about it that I thought was positive, you were going to make into garbage, and then you you turned it in and you said, it's a character study, and I went. That's right. That's what this is, and I love what you said about it. So, um, and I think your point about the bad jokes is uh, they—they're supposed to be bad because in that time uh, when this movie was made, those like you said, those comedy clubs had sprouted up like weeds, and they were that. They were crap, but everybody laughed because they were supposed to. And so, the fact that the jokes in the movie were not great, and they were—they were. They were kind of junk i thought was the point and that that gave us the the ability now to focus on the characters so trace i thought you were right on the money with
1: that um the yeah i I would agree i would agree with Kent that you know it 98 percent of the time when it's trying to be funny it isn't i did think that the sally field character's final set actually had some really funny stuff in it now one thing that i thought was interesting was that the final set that the Hank's character does is not um, funny. <laughs> is not funny, but it's also it, it it seems almost identical to when he has his meltdown I agree. Uh, very early in the movie, and then the fact that, that we we sort of morph forward a little bit uh, to to uh, him kind of killing, we don't ever really see any sign of that yeah. uh, because it's not, there's not a laugh to be found in 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 that set, and that's why the character um, is great it, because it, her character chooses
2: the family and stuff over the art, even though she was the best at the art in this movie, you know, I, I thought that was interesting. So I thought your character study analysis of this movie was fantastic. And that the, the comedy in it was not great. I thought served the
1: movie. I don't know. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And, you know, I will say that, you know, I mean, I gave it two and a half stars. Honestly, if they had lopped off the first half hour, I very well might've given it three and a half stars. There's, there's no excuse for what I thought was the first half hour or 40 minutes or so of what's already a pretty long movie yeah. being, you know, I, I was watching it and thinking, oh my, you know, this is another, it's another money pit. This is another Mises and Monsters. This is another. Yeah, money pit and was it, good. <laughs> it turned, it, <laughs> it turned this corner and suddenly I'm engrossed in it and it's really working. Yeah. As a character study. Um, and uh the performances worked the the again the portrayal of that of that environment worked. I like what you said so, about John Goodman. A, a surprise. Yeah, I John, like what you said about John, John Goodman, Goodman did. did. Yeah. He did
0: very solid work in what I agree. A, a thankless role. Uh, and I will well say said. that uh, I will say that the the performances uh, uh were pretty good. Uh I I do agree with you also that I think Tom Hanks's character uh, whether he has mental issues or whether he is uh, a malignant narcissist or something. Uh, <laughs> they really need to explore that more. it Because there are a couple of scenes where you're like, oh, well, he's just, he's losing it. When he's up on stage crying about uh, uh, when somebody.
2: When his dad was there. Yeah. When his
0: dad was there, somebody flicked an eyeball on his neck and he's like melting down on stage. And then later uh, when he was doing his, his gene kelly bit is yeah that was, creepy.
2: Oh, I, I, that was so
0: creepy i wanted him to get hit by a checker cab and just uh, uh, be out of the movie right at that
2: point me like, too that was yeah. creepy and disturbing and and he he seemed like one of those uh when he was trying to and then him hitting on her and all that he was, i was just i think he definitely had mental problems Yeah. and i i don't know why they put that in there because it wasn't funny
1: it didn't make you like him it just made you want to, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, again, I, I felt the same things, but I, I did find myself thinking, if this character is supposed to be mentally ill, this works, that stuff works. As of the, another scene where he is, um, he has the bullhorn outside yeah, of the comedy yeah. club on the night of the competition. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of, I'm, I'm looking at it thinking, okay, is this the character's mental illness or is this, Hey, this movie isn't that funny. Let's have Tom Hanks be crazy Tom Hanks for a while. Uh, it, it, hard to say where they were going with that, but again, through the through the lens of, of the character being mentally ill, to me, it all worked. Being mentally ill, yeah, it certainly wasn't funny. It was definitely uncomfortable,
2: and yeah, I just I felt that Tom. So, we're, so this is the Tom Hanks podcast kind of deal. I felt that he, as an actor. Did a good job of kind of or it, you know what it felt like It felt like he was in a work a comedy or not uh, sorry in, in an actor's workshop in this movie. It felt like he was trying to explore all the different facets of emotion, you know from comedy to romance to mental illness. and he yep. didn't quite make it on any of them. I thought I thought Sally Field did a better job, and John Goodman, quite frankly, was the best actor in the whole show. I loved all the little backstage character actors, though they were. So awkward and uncomfortable that they were interesting.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It was such a mix. You know, I didn't mention there was a, you know, a singing nun. Mm. Uh, there was a guy with a, a boombox. Yeah. yeah. The, a, a the white variety. The, the high school um,
0: history but, teacher uh, who couldn't get anybody to listen yeah. to him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I loved him. And I loved his
2: wife. I loved that she was mad that he didn't win. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, you can see her complaining. <laughs>
1: Yeah, fun contrast between the Goodman character and and her, yeah. who was all in, all yeah. in. He's the best. He's the best thing to ever happen to comedy. Yeah.
0: Well, Kevin, uh, tell us uh, your thoughts on uh, the music in in this movie. Uh, it so the
2: so the soundtrack was done by Charlie Gross, who also did Turner and Hooch and Air America and a bunch of other stuff nobody's ever heard of. But those are the two. And I found that from a musical, from a music uh, movie, sorry, movie compositional uh, standpoint, the movie was very tasteful and, and perfectly placed. Um, the the few little other bits that were put in the the show from the soundtrack were not really worth mentioning, in my opinion. Uh, uh, but I thought the music did a good job. I I, I noticed it as someone who I watch movies and, and I always pay attention to the score. I found that very typical of movie scores, like kind of your standard, there should be strings here and now it's going to build. And then this happens and this is going to be a jumpy percussion part and whatever. And that all happened. So although it was predictable and standard, I thought it worked. Um,
1: not a lot of music. In this, to, but, go ahead. I wanted to know Kevin, what you thought of a, a scene that I really liked, which was a scene in which um, Sally field. Come, I think it's when she comes home from that kind of horrid, uh, c- Convalescent home scene. She gets home and has, you know, about 10 for minutes dinner. for p- prepare dinner and get the kids dressed. And it's done with, uh, scored by, uh, Saber Dance. Yeah, and that's, and uh, that- uh, very, very funny, uh, scene, physical comedy and and set uh, piece of so, music. You, you've
2: dovetailed it nicely. That's what I was going to mention next. Was Saber Dance is featured in this film, which is a uh, uh, frantic, it's close to the flight of the bumblebee. I wasn't sure if they were going to do flight of the bumblebee or Saber Dance, but they picked Saber Dance and that was perfect. Uh, so I have that mentioned in the song that I've composed for this particular song. It's Aram, uh, uh, as <laughs> the composer for that. So everybody will recognize it. Um, uh, it was a perfectly placed piece of music for that frantic scene. And I loved that it came together, that the music played, they went all the way through the getting changed and they played the entire piece of music through, uh, Getting changed, getting the dinner ready, and setting the table, and then presentation. And the presentation, the song ends. And I was just very impressed with that placement there. Cannon and D, Cannon and D was in there as well, which was uh, not important. I don't mean to think if you ain't got that swing, Duke Ellington. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, there's not a lot of musical stuff to say here, except for that. Again, Trace, well done. Jumping ahead with the musical deal with the uh, Sabre Dance, you bastard. Well done. <laughs> all right, well,
0: Here's our, our final summation is that um punchline uh not very funny, but probably probably better than we thought it was going to be. Uh just because of the 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 characters, uh the that sort of character study of especially of of Sally Field uh yep. her, her dreams and her family and uh that the way that all played out I thought was Uh, realistic and interesting and uh, it could could have been done um, in a a much more two-dimensional way uh, but I I thought it it really worked especially uh, especially kind of her her arc through the movie uh, was pretty satisfying yeah Um, next week we're going to be talking about a little movie called the burbs Um, the burbs which is a
2: uh, I've not seen this one
1: I saw it years ago. Can I just jump back real quick? I have an interesting bit of trivia about Punchline. No, a couple of things no, I actually no, want to say. I don't want to hear if it. I may, no, don't okay. let me hear this um, trivia. This, this, is, this is, I believe, the only movie in cinematic history where there is a a cast member, not not a character, but a, a cast member named George Wallace, and another cast member named George D. Wallace. And neither one of them are wheelchair-bound segregationist Alabama Senator George Wallace.
0: I see they're both just other George Wallaces. Other,
1: other George yeah, Wallaces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, I know that George Wallace, the comedian, he plays uh, uh, one of the guys at the at the convalescent home. The guy he
1: plays the guy with, with the his arm, arm up, up in it, the air. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: he, yeah. He he later went on to have quite a uh, uh, quite a, a a stand-up comedy career. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know who the other George Wallace in the movie. was.
1: Played. i don't either i don't know who george d wallace is uh, you yeah, know he i think uh it, didn't go on to a prominent stamp career the other thing that i that when i when I, I i had never seen punch not Line, to be confused with d
0: wallace I, stone who is uh yeah. not to
1: be confused with d wallace right. stone yeah. or tenacious d um,
0: or tenacious d wallace stone or tenacious yeah, yeah.
1: D., exactly <laughs> um i some for some reason i when i hear the title punchline i had never seen the movie I also think of another movie, I think from the same year, another very simply titled movie that was also a super quick pitch session, and that's Cocktail. Punchline and Cocktail. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the, uh, cocktail was Tom Cruise as a bartender. Punchline is Tom, yeah. Tom Hanks as a comedian. Interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Comedian. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's
2: a mentally
0: ill comedian, and Tom Hanks is a uh, a mentally ill actor playing a bartender. So, uh
1: Yes, and then I think a, a year later there was there was Punchtail, yeah. Punchtail, which was about funny bartenders, and then there was Cockline, which uh, I think was only, only on paper. Yeah, I saw, I, I saw
0: Cockline. That was a pretty good one. I, uh, Is that back to the
1: two? The two? Yeah,
0: yeah that's a two-hander right
2: there. Two-hander. I'm gonna have to edit that part out. I think <laughs> yeah. sometimes
1: sometimes it's a one-hander. Yeah. All right. All
0: right, uh, so until here's uh, your edit point, uh, until next week, uh, when we're going to be uh, you handing uh, another movie, we're going to be <laughs> waxing rhapsodic about the burbs. Did uh, you say whacking? Waxing, uh, so uh yes, <laughs> uh, we're we're gonna leave I'm just trying to mess up
1: all your edit points. Oh, so, Thank you, so excited about the burbs. I saw the burbs in the theater, uh, back and we're back. back.
0: We are going to uh, uh, talk about the Burbs and so much more next week, but we're going to leave you tonight, as we always do, with an original composition inspired by the movie Punchline uh, by our own Mr. Kevin Dennis. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Enjoy your song, and we'll see you next time on Hank's A Lot.
3: What happens when Many comics compete for your laughs Ha! Well this little tale will tell you Just that You too can become a false staff Our setting is mostly At the comedy club But sometimes in diners and streets Sometimes homes Our hero is Steve Who flunks out of med school In his soul he's a comic athlete Multiple on the same stage Attempt to tickle the rib cage. Lila wants to be one of the free By keeping the people in stitches Manson is funny Berkowitz is not Flight of the bumblebee ringmaster Have you noticed that the black goldfish is missing A child's grown-up joke for the pastor's Stage When his dad and his brother attend He kisses Lila in the back of a cab She says they can only be friends He's creepy in the rain So scary with his pain Becomes a jerk outside the theater And the clock. Test begins Her set is on fire and her husband approves She puts family first and her outlook improves Stephen is second but takes home the prize Perhaps her sacrifice will make him more wise Probably not based on what we have seen This movie is totally done Totally so is this song, because that's what we do. Goodbye and good Hanks, everyone.
0: This has been another episode of Hanks a Lot, the Tom Hanks podcast. We're recorded at Cliffside Studios in beautiful Spokane, Washington. Your hosts for the show have been me, Kent Shelton, Trace Oakley in Hollywood, California, and Kevin Dennis in Seattle. If you have thoughts or comments about our show, or thoughts or comments about the films of Tom Hanks, please reach out to us at hankspodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, hankspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends about our show, or rate and View us on your favorite uh, podcast catcher. Come back next week, bring your sister, and we'll see you for another episode of Hank Salat. Goodbye now.